0: Nick Brown. He's been the high school projectionist for the AV club for over nine semesters, and can be heard nightly at the theater talking loudly in the row behind you about the film being screened. And now they're joining forces, ladies and gentlemen. Rick and Nick talk
1: flicks. Welcome back. We are back. We're glad to be back. It's Rick and Nick talk flicks, and we're rejoining you today here on. What is post-Oscar Monday that we are recording this? So it's great to be back with you. I'm Joel Hoover. I'm Dave Brooks. Rick is roaming the halls, he, but refuses to come in. He actually is. Yeah, Rick is is currently moonlighting as the morning sports reporter for Paul Bunyan Broadcasting. So let
0: me add that to the list of excuses: no show by Rick or Nick uh, morning show. Got it. Okay. That
1: list has become a scroll. At this point, you can like pull it out, and in in classic style, you can unfurl it with two hands and read off of it, and it's just getting longer and longer each time we do this. It's Like when you go to RVC, you get a
0: you get a receipt that's the length of the truck. You know that's the list
1: now of why we couldn't do the show. That's right. Don't even care anymore.
0: <laughs> Don't even care. I burnt my tongue.
1: So welcome back. It's Rick and Nick Talk Flicks, and we are sponsored by the Bemidji Theater. It's great to have them aboard as a sponsor of the podcast. They've got their $5 movie nights on Tuesdays. They are located on Highway 2, just across from the Bemidji Airport. You know, nice thing also about them is now that the Oscars are done,
0: um, they had a lot of contenders and winners that are back up on the screen, and some of those might stick around. Well, you know, Green, Green Book won uh, Best Picture. I didn't see that one. Well, last I looked... I don't know, beyond this weekend, but it's uh, it's back up on screen, so you can go check it out if you missed it the first time.
1: I do like that a lot that they yeah. have that policy of doing that. I, I think they did that with La La Land a couple of years ago, I remember, yeah. because I've been looking to go see that in theaters, but it had passed through kind of quickly. But then after the Oscars, I noticed, hey, it's back up and it's in theaters. That's great. A lot so. of a lot of
0: those award contenders, a lot of those award contenders will come out late in the calendar year. Well, a lot of big movies come out then too, and sometimes while they're you know they're critical darlings, they kind of get lost in the shuffle. So they'll sometimes bring those things in January or so. So you may have missed it the first go round. Now you get a chance
1: to see it. Yeah, I, I like it. It's a good policy, and it's nice, too, um, to be able to get them into the mix, especially at a time of year where there's not as much going on, although we're going to talk about what is going to be going on and coming up here in the near future shortly with this episode today. Kind of but, a two-part episode we're going to do, I guess. It is, yeah. We're looking back, and we're also looking forward, because last night, um, at least in terms of when we're recording this, last night was the Oscars. And it's a chance to look back and reflect on the past year in movies. We've talked about 2018, Dave, on previous episodes. It was a great year at the box office, just in general. It was a really, really strong year uh, for Hollywood, just for movie making in general, with uh, the amount of money that came in um, for people coming to the theater. It was, it was really good. And we want to look back a little bit on some of our favorites, as well as reflect on the Oscars in general. You, you watch them part of them. Yep. I didn't, but I was keeping up with with some of the results that were coming in, too. I was a little surprised because Green Book, I knew, had been a pretty good movie, and now all of a sudden I'm going, hey, I'd kind of like to check it out because I remember seeing commercials for it, and it looked like it was really intriguing, um, especially with some of the people involved with it, and then it was very successful last night.
0: It's kind of like a reverse version and a harder edge of the movie The Help. A little more reversed. Interesting. Sort of. With a harder edge. So, yeah, it looks really good. Uh, did not get a chance to see it, to still want to see it. And like I said, it's last I looked, it's still in theaters. And if I get a chance to escape the household for an evening, I might go see it. Um, yeah, you know, the Oscars came out. Um, we've di- we did an episode about a year ago about the Oscars in general. So there's a lot of that we won't need to go over. Um, you know, despite who won what and who didn't win what, um, A lot of talk about the host issue this year, which there wasn't one after the Kevin Hart debacle, but it seems to really not have mattered. And it was kind of what I thought. You always get a whole bunch of little mini hosts anyway.
1: Yeah, you get a potpourri.
0: Oh yeah, whenever, whoever. Please welcome so-and-so and so-and-so to introduce this award category. Well, then they are the host for the next 30 seconds, 60 seconds, whatever, and sometimes blah other times they're interesting and they actually do something in inter- it which is always kind of funny to me in that these are entertainers that are now given a giant spotlight and they just this next category is so they just don't entertain you know but then you get say Melissa, M- M- Melissa McCarthy gets up there and she's in full costume and she's oh, that performing like it was ridiculous you got Tina Fey and Amy Poehler and Maya Rudolph and they kind of did the monologue and they
1: rocked it you know Yes the, people were very excited yeah. about the three of them not hosting, but hosting a little bit. Doing the monologue as a non-host.
0: Um, it's not like it's never happened in the Oscars before, but um, you know the issue of viewership dropping and people aren't watching and what spectacle can they do? Look, you and I have talked about this off-air. The Oscars are not for everybody. It's not a rock and roll show, and I don't care if Queen or the new revamped version of Queen opens the show or doesn't open the show. If movies are to you something that you will rent only from a red box and you'll have it playing in the background while you're folding laundry or whatever, then the Oscars are not for you. You know, you kind of consume movies like you would drink water. You know, you need it, you kind of have it in the background and eh. But if you're, when DVDs were still a thing, reading the commentary and looking at the back and watching the movie a second time with the various commentary and looking at the behind the scenes features, you want to see the wizard behind the curtain... The Oscars are for you. Now, even that being said, I love movies, but sometimes an Oscar show can be a long thing. So when they ramp it up and they kind of give it a little fun and some glitz, that makes a hard viewing experience easier, but it's not going to lure in people trying to mask
1: it as a rock and roll show when it's not. It doesn't help either, I think, sometimes that people feel detached from the Oscars because they feel like it's a whole other world that is basically being shown on their screen, like that these Hollywood folks... They're living in their own world. Didn't they, we already know that? Yeah, but, but I think that that's a big part of the disconnect, though, Dave, and it's a part that none of them are willing to talk about. But for all of us, the the common folk, it's like, yeah, these people are kind of in their own world a little bit and, and just have their own way of thinking. And and that, I think, is part of where the divide is and where people are not as willing to watch. You know what I love, though, when I watch the Oscars? The the chill to the bone moments of when you are looking at these montages of great movies from the past and then you mix in the movies of this past year a little bit i like those kinds of moments where you are reminded of why you're here and it's because that these movies take you into their own little world a little bit and they tell really compelling stories and if you can throw a nod to the past. And that it's brought us to where we are in the present in terms of our present movies. Those are the moments that I really enjoy when it comes to the Oscars. Those montages that, that just kind of that give you goosebumps a little bit when you think about this is why we're here. This is why you and I are doing this podcast is because we love movies. And we love what movies bring out. You know, one of the things they did announce, I think people may have known,
0: but they announced it last night. Uh, the Academy is opening up a museum for movies. Now, I've been to L.A. since I was something like 10 years old. But it, the way they kind of present it, it's going to have a lot of things on display. And some famous movie props as well. Like uh, just in the last couple of years, one of the last molds from Bruce the Shark from the movie Jaws was found in a junkyard. And it was nothing special, but say it was the last surviving relic from that mold, that'll probably be there. You know, a lot of us from Grand Rapids, Minnesota, the ruby slippers from the Wizard of Oz were stolen and they were recently found. They're not coming back to Grand Rapids, apparently, but there's a lot of talk. It'll be going to this Academy Museum. So if you're ever going out to L.A. for anything to dodge bullets, you might also dodge into the Academy Museum once it's done. It's not done yet, um, and go see what it is, and it's going to have some things to see and that's one of the things about movies that are so cool because it doesn't really exist. You know, it exists. Even if you have the box for the DVD or whatever, nowadays it's all digital. So there's nothing tangible, you yeah. know. So to go see something that's physically representative of something that's important to you and meaningful for you, that says something. Whether you get to touch the little model of the Millennium Falcon or whatever, you know, the ruby slippers,
1: you know, something, anything.
0: Kind of cool. Yeah.
1: I still remember going to I think it was a hard rock cafe in New York City and seeing one of Spock's ears ah. from one of from one of the Star Trek movies and going, oh, wow, that's that's cool. Kind of cool. Yeah. Memorabilia pieces like that are would be a great addition. And then just other and I'm sure there would be exhibits on some of the different movies, too. That's really neat that that there is going to be something like that on the way Did did you hear a timetable on when it's mm, planning to be open? By the end of the year, I think. There's a website, Great.
0: something like Academy Museum or something like that. You could probably get, get on the Google and it'll probably tell you more. But I think it, from the sound of
1: it, by the end of the year. All right, Dave, what were your favorite movies? From this past year, just in reflection, in our own little mini Rick and Nick Oscars, your personal favorites that you enjoyed from this past year?
0: Well, I've said before, you know, when you're, you you get a little kid in the house and you your priorities are, in my opinion, correct and you want to spend more time at the house and not out and about, then you, you kind of miss some things, you know. So there's some movies that came out. I didn't get to see Green Book. It looked really good. Didn't get to see it. I wanted to see Same First here. Man. Didn't get to see it. Um, only very recently in the last couple of weeks did I finally get a chance to see Black Panther. thought it was pretty good. Um, I don't know if it was Best Picture worthy. I thought Iron Man, just to stick to the Marvel Universe, was a better movie than, Iron, than, than Black Panther. And I think that what, wasn't up for Best Picture. And of
1: course, as we did a podcast on it several months ago, we all feel that the best superhero movie ever was The Dark Knight. And The Dark Knight paved the way for Black Panther to be in this year's Oscar contention.
0: Nothing against Black Panther. It was a good movie. It was. I have a feeling the Oscars were clearly going into this year trying to kick it in the butt, so they were going to have the most popular movie category, which they eventually scrapped. I got a feeling that Black Panther got put into the Best Picture nomination to kind of unofficially represent that. I mean, I'm not saying it wasn't worthy. I'm just saying... I've seen other movies that I think are more worthy of that, so what is it doing with all the rest of them? Now, the awards that it did win, very worthy, very, very, you yes. should have won. Like the
1: costumes? Yeah. absolutely. But best
0: yeah. picture, the movie, to me, didn't offer anything that nothing had been delivered before. You know, King, Fallen King, King Reclaims. It's basically The Lion King. Yeah, but, you know, without animals. But it was a great movie. Don't get me wrong. Um, so the, a lot of the movies that I did see this year were kind of popcorn fare. The one that I think I liked personally the best, which is not going to show up at the Oscars, was honestly the Halloween sequel reboot, whatever you want to call it. It was good. It was everything that it should have been. It harkened back to the past, and it brought it into the future. It brought new, yet it resurrected old. And it did it so well and so effectively. It's just... When you go to a movie and you leave filled, despite the fact that it was a horror movie and you're just, just supposed to get a little creeped out, um, that's a good thing. You know, and at the time I saw it, I was at home alone, so now I go home to an empty house. Dumb, dumb, Dave. You know, every closet. there might oh. I had to go through the house. And
1: you love horror movies. <laughs> like you that's know That's why you know what to do and what not to do after watching one. That's, oh, it Dave, was It was an opportunity. It, it was Strike Now, scratcher.
0: strike now, or you're going to miss it, and you have to see it when it's on DVD. So I was like, all right, Fair right enough. we're going to go. And, uh, yeah, so I went and saw it, and it was... <laughs> but that's kind of the point, you know? Yep. Do you watch a horror movie with all the lights on and the radio blasting in the other room, or... Do you turn off the lights and unplug and maybe crack the closet door? <laughs> and you know, let the dogs not be fed, so you start hearing this scratching mm-hmm, noise and what was
1: Yes, you enhance your
0: experience just a little bit.
1: And yet you still create safeguards because you know, okay, it's the dog in the back of your mind and okay. Do I?
0: Do I know that
1: hoof? Well, I, I guess I don't know because I'm not in your mind.
0: <laughs> so, that, I mean, that I, there's a lot of great movies that were Oscar contenders for various different yeah. reasons, and a lot of them I just didn't get a chance to see. I'm starting to catch up, but sometimes that's the way it goes when you get it only strikes so many times to the movies that you have to kind of be strategic about. So, I'm, I'm going to go see Solo, Star Wars movie. I'm going to go see Avengers uh, Infinity War. I'm talking about 2018 now. Yep. Um, you know, and there's movies for 2019 that are probably going to be great great Oscar contenders, but I'm going to go see the new Avengers movie as much as we were kind of kicking it in the butt last year in the episode. Um, and a lot of the other ones, like Green Book, they'll they'll trickle out and I'll get a chance to see them when they're coming out on VOD or something along those lines, or maybe get a chance to see it in the theaters. But yep. um, um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of uninformed enough to say my Oscar take on things. Yes. So uh, Halloween would be my pick, but is it really worthy (laughs) of overall? Probably
1: not. But for me, it knocked it out of the park. What do you say? Let's see. For me, it was, it was a very enjoyable year going to the movies. I had one or two movies that I was like, I am really, really excited to go see. Like, and I've got this marked on my calendar to go check out. So for me, it was it was kind of a a year to take a flyer on a few movies, and I literally did that with First Man, um, taking a flyer. But uh, you know, with others, I got what you did
0: there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with, picking up what you land down.
1: Yeah, with, with others, it was hey, let's just kind of see how this goes and and check it out, and and I ended up having some really enjoyable trips to go see movies this year. Um, enjoyed Black Panther a lot when I went to go see it um, early last year. Um, with going to see that. Was more disappointed with The Avengers because it ended up being an, an opportunity to kick on to a future movie, which we will talk about here shortly. After misrepresenting it, this is the end of it all. That's right. No, it's not. Misrepresenting a little bit, which we, of course, talked about at great length. Um, and then and then going to see some other movies that were out in the mix, too. My favorite popcorn flick of the year was probably Solo. You know, I I really enjoyed it. I think people... Ended up being fatigued coming into that. Star Wars fatigue definitely, I think, set in after the reaction to The Last Jedi. And I think it was a little bit too bad for Solo because I thought it was a very enjoyable movie. I I went in there going, you know what? I'm going to grab a bag of popcorn and something to drink and just really enjoy this movie a lot. And I did. It was a very fun time at the movies. I mean, with the Kessel Run, which was great, and and the wit among the characters, which was very entertaining – it was, and it had some nice twists and turns to it. It was a, it was just a good popcorn movie. So, I left that one going. I'm, I'm entertained. Um, my favorite movie from the year is, is kind of a toss up between three different movies. The first one that I saw in order was First Man, which was a very, very good movie. I, I thought it was a little bit underrated in terms of the Oscars that it was up for, and I know that it won for one category. Um, but it was, it was an excellent movie. I thought it was very understated, which was kind of nice, because I think, in general, that's Neil Armstrong. Very understated guy. American hero. And yet he was the first person to set foot on the moon. And I thought they captured all of that and the story behind that story very well. It was, it was a neat movie. And, and, Dave, I highly recommend you go check it out. I
0: definitely do want yeah, to see it.
1: Yeah, red box it. Do what you can, because it's it's really well put together and and i yeah i really enjoyed it a lot um, yeah alfonso Curion putting that putting that together yeah it was it was an excellent movie um, the second one that i saw in order and this was one of the ones i had circled on my calendar was creed 2 i thought it was a really good follow up sequel i thought it was really neat the way that they approached a few things in particular with the drago family and the approach that they took to that i thought it was a very good sequel didn't quite reach the level of Creed, but Creed was a, a very, very good movie, and, and Creed 2, I thought, followed it up very nicely with continuing on the the story um, from where it had left off and, and seeing where Donnie Creed's uh, life and, and career was going, as well as with Rocky and what he had going on, and it tied up some nice things um, in there as well. But the third movie, and it it might just, by a nose, edge ahead of the other two, Um and it, it was a movie i i rented off of youtube actually and then um because they they do movie rental on there and i couldn't find it anywhere i couldn't find it at redbox or anywhere and it had come out very limited release in the fall and i'd wanted to see it but then i finally got to see it robert redford's final movie the oh, old yeah. man and the gun great movie it was like going back in a time machine and it was such a pleasant movie to just enjoy. And Robert Redford was was just great. Um really enjoyed it a lot. Would recommend it. It's got such an old school feel to it and it it just leaves you going, yeah, that was a very enjoyable movie too. It was a goodbye hug in Yeah. A, way. a goodbye hug and in a very in a good sense for Robert Redford. It felt like a the kind of movie for him. Sissy Spacek is in it too. She was great as well. Um Casey Affleck is is the guy who's kind of who's trying to chase him down in the movie. It's and yet there's there's this air of respect all throughout the movie that seems to exist, and the myth and the legend that kind of comes with it too. Great movie, really enjoyed it. I, I got to see it a couple of weeks ago, and it was so good that I was like, "Hey, is this is this now available on Blu-ray?" I think I and saw it I, at Target on disc. Yep, and then I saw it was so I went to to Target the next day. Got it on Blu-ray. It was great. You gotta loan
0: it to me then. I gotta see it. I will, I'm interested I will in that
1: one. Yep. I'm loaning you a movie for Woo! once. How about that? Oh. That's great. Yeah, you've you've loaned me so many movies that I'm I'm excited to return the favor. But but that's a movie that is is well worth getting to check out.
0: I was yeah, that was another one that was interesting to me. I'm a Redford fan and even some of the movies that the movie itself wasn't all that great. Redford makes a bad movie okay. He makes an okay movie good. He makes a good movie great. sneakers
1: was the case there part of that yeah uh although that was a great cast in general oh yeah even
0: a movie that's like really schlock it doesn't really carry on beyond the overhype when it first came out like indecent proposal well he was the billionaire that's offering the money he made it better than it would have been otherwise it was schlocky anyway but you know there's a reason you don't see it on tnt anymore (laughs) you know it was big at the time controversial and it's gone
1: Rick and Nick TalkFlix is sponsored by the Bemidji Theater, and we're glad to have them aboard as a sponsor of this podcast. So we've looked back, and now we're looking forward, Dave, into the spring of 2019, we're kind of going through May here yeah. to this point is is how we're stretching this out.
0: So a bit of a sneak peek preview. We're going to go uh, March starts before the end of this week. So probably
1: by the time this is posted online,
0: the first of these will be coming out. Um, and we're going to go right through pretty much the end of May through Memorial Weekend and right up to the summer. We'll do a summer preview later, but uh, for one thing that was striking me for what uh, spring is going to offer for 2019, it's not lacking punch. And we're looking at the Avengers, and we'll give it a little chit-chat when we get to that. But um, it does look to be concentrated in a lot of particular areas and not spread out so much. There's big chunks between April and May that there's a couple of weeks where there's nothing really that grabs my attention. And so we're taking a look at not every single movie, but those that kind of grabbed our attention. Sometimes because they're sequels, sometimes because really... And others because there's a lot of hype around them. So here we go, spring preview. Um, did anybody? Are we running out of holidays now for uh, Tyler Perry to resurrect Medea? Now we have a family oh, funeral.
1: Yeah, a family. Yeah, a Medea family funeral,
0: and that kicks it off for yeah. March first this upcoming weekend. Are, are have we said all we've needed to say? And that was three sequels ago. I mean, why? Honestly, why? They probably make good sales at the red box. And people that are renting them really aren 't watching them anyway,
1: well, they obviously must be making something some solid money and some solid income with with that with the particular with the style that they run with with the comedy style yeah that with the media movies. I suppose that that they have found hey we 're still making a pretty good profit off of these they're, movies, so they 're making just keep money rolling but
0: no one 's talking about them oh that funny part from Medea. no you 're not hearing those conversations. They're just they're they're making just enough to make some money. Let's make another one. Maybe we'll make some more, but the content I mean nothing against Tyler Perry. I like him. He's a talented guy. He's got a talented people, but those money those movies just that while they might make a little money, they ain't money.
1: Yeah. So family funeral. More often than not, yeah, but family funeral is coming up this weekend.
0: <sighs> oh commentary, sorry.
1: All right, then we kick
0: back into <laughs> uh Marvel, literally The last go before the Avengers, and we'll get to that, and that's coming up March 8th, Captain Marvel. Kind of a a retro throwback, set in the 90s. Um, You know, I I don't read the comic books, so I can't tell you a whole lot about Captain Marvel, but um, it looks like, again, we've got a bit of a split coming in here as far as some of the early buzz, and we're starting to get a lot of that now. Early reviews are okay but not great while others are saying wow it's really good the tracking numbers are looking good as far as people that want to go see it um but then there's some pushback don't really understand what all that's about i mean some people are saying well a female comic book hero whoa whoa, whoa, time out time out wonder woman knocked it out of the park yeah that's all one so that that argument is thrown right out the window but you know captain marvel and i mean i know the major heavy-hitting superhero comic book fans whether i whether I read him or not I really don't know much about Captain Marvel I really don't you know so it's one of those more obscure comic books now if you're a comic booker you know what we're
1: talking about but I to me what is what is Captain Marvel this is purely speculative yeah but do you get the sense that Captain Marvel is kind of going to be the cheat code when it comes to beating Thanos
0: yes there's a reason that this movie's going to come out a month yes. or so before the new Avengers movie She's going to have some ability that's going to be able to reach beyond time and space. Because Thanos has made it pretty clear that he's just going to wipe out half the Earth and successfully did so in the last Avengers. So he's not going to have a change of heart. You need to have something. Now, we all know that Jeremy Renner's Hawkeye didn't show up in Avengers Part 1 or whatever you want to call it. And you know he's coming back. He's a dude. He doesn't have powers except that he's really good with a bow. So how are they going to get these people back? Spider-Man is dead but you know he's not going to stay dead cuz he's got a movie coming out this summer. Well, you can't have dead Spider-Man the movie. So, you got to have an ace in your sleeve and guess what? Here comes Captain Marvel.
1: Or you just have a cartoon Spider-Man pop up in in the meantime, which was the case with Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. That which, was different. By though. the way, Juan last. Yeah, night. That's yes, good for them. And yes, it was different. But yeah, um yeah, with Captain Marvel every time that there is a Marvel movie that comes out, I do continually wonder these days, how much longer can Marvel keep it rolling in terms of always hitting or always seemingly hitting? The movies recently for them, yeah, it seems like they've hit their mark, but but they're not, with how the many, exception many, of Black Panther, with the exception many, of Black Panther, which was a whoa movie, how many more times can they keep hitting and making a mark in terms of a, this is a movie that's going to have a legacy to it rather than... All right, that was an all right movie, like Ant Man and the Wasp. It was an all right movie. How many
0: Oscars did the Marvels win last night? Wasn't nope. it
1: their first one ever for Marvel Studios yeah. that was won last night with yeah. Black Panther?
0: But you didn't see, there was no Ant-Man and the Wasp nominated either, let alone Avengers, but you did get Black Panther in several categories, and of course, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. And so, I mean, Marvel's won a couple of Oscars, so clearly they're doing good things, whether it's technical achievement and you know a, a visual effects, or more with Black Panther and some of the, the heavier-hitting categories, Best Picture uh writing and you know all that i mean those are that's prestigious stuff so if the if marvel is still making it happen but at the end of this phase three we'll see they kind of hit the, a final ending point, and i think there'll be a big shift i mean we'll talk a bit more about that yeah. when we get to the avengers but um i i i will probably go check out captain marvel i do not care that it's a female action hero or not you know i just don't care is it interesting Kind of, you know, it's set it's in the intriguing. 90s. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting. Okay, so you know it's going to have a part to play, a big part to play in the upcoming Avengers. You know she's going to show up in that movie. Um, so maybe it would be helpful, knowing I'm going to go see that second one, to go see this one. So that's part of it.
1: All right, next.
0: Up next, we've got, um, this is an interesting one, Jordan Peele, who really hit big uh, with sort of a a horror Movie for such a guy that's known as comedy. Now he's coming back to do it again, in a movie called Us. Comes out at the end of March twenty second. Yeah, and it's kind of like um, they're kind of tight lipped on the the plot, sort of. But it looks like you've got imposters that are supposed to look just like you and your family. That are exactly what they're doing. Don't really know yet, but uh, it does look interesting. Almost like you got people trapped behind other faces not that dissimilar to the last one get out so it could be interesting you know will this be following the footsteps of m night Shyamalan, who really hit hard with the sixth sense and then not so much with unbreakable and some of the others or does he really have
1: a touch here and i mean don't rule this guy out well jordan peele has got a big year coming up because and i have not gotten to check out the trailer for it yet but i'm really really intrigued no not not for us but uh, i'm really intrigued for what he does with the twilight zone yeah but i don't have i don't have cbs all access so i'm so i'm like oh that this is this is you uh, can, you can uh, come but over. i'm so interested you can come over i have it I know you there do. There you go. That, that sounds pretty good. So I'm really intrigued about that, about what he does with the Twilight Zone in particular. But yeah, Us has gotten some some buzz of, hey, this is Jordan Peele's next movie. This is his follow-up to Get Out. What's he going to to run with this time? And what kind of themes is he going to bring this time as well? Because it was the themes of Get Out that really resonated with a lot of people. And and then also in the midst of a, a bit of a change, uh, a bit of a change to the whole horror genre and what's he going to do with it this time around with with another another one that seems to be a we're up against ourselves kind sort of, of thing yeah
0: you know? not really fully sure exactly what the storyline is here even in, in broad strokes but that's kind of the point it gets you talking so but don't rule this guy out you know he's he is good uh, after that, might be kind of a fun comedy, maybe. It's coming out in March, which is when you start waking up the box office anyway. Beach Bum. You got Matthew McConaughey, Zach, oh, Zach yeah. Efron. Um, I haven't seen a trailer for it yet, but you know you've got some good talent behind the scenes that tend to attract stars and talent that would only be associated with something that's going to have some merit to it. So stay tuned. It's got potential, I suppose, but I say this not even seeing the trailer yet. But if you're thinking about... Zach Efron and Matthew McConaughey, one of them is an aging beach bum, you know, that's they definitely both have that vibe, but there's a lot more under the hood. Yeah. It could be good, but it could also, who knows? Stay tuned. I reserve judgment.
1: Yeah, because Matthew McConaughey was already in the bomb of the year with Anne Hathaway um <laughs> early a couple <laughs> all of right, weeks all ago. Right, all right. Yeah. Hey, by the way, I wanna I wanna backtrack <laughs> I wanna backtrack really quick because there's another movie that yeah. I believe is set for for later this month. Let me see. Yeah, um, March 29th, and it's coming out on Netflix. Um, I don't know if you have it written down, but The Highwaymen, which has um, Matthew McCon, oh, no, not Matthew McConaughey, Woody Harrelson, and Kevin Costner, and it's the story of the two detectives who chase down Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah, that does sound interesting. Really interesting premise for that movie, and it's Kevin Costner and Woody Harrelson. Like in terms of duos. Teaming up together, it's really I could see kind that of interesting being, to think about. I could I could detect a
0: lot of crackle there, and that's a good thing. They've got they've got an intensity, you know, Woody Harrelson in particular, but they've also got a real laid back kind of. Th- I could see something really good happen in there, whether the story is any good or not. I mean, it's a true life story, and it is an interesting story if they do it well. Um, but the two leads, I could see good things happening there. So. Yeah, that should be another topic yeah. down the road, you know, direct-to-video, direct-to-streaming versus traditional releases. That would be an interesting topic.
1: Well, that that kind of brings up its own topic, really. And and when I was thinking about last night, I really thought that – I thought Roma, given all of the buzz that it had coming into award season, that it was maybe going to win even more than it did because it seemed like it was kind of a split among categories, which – the Academy has been doing more and more of over the last couple of years, like splitting one movie wins in this category, then we're going to have this movie win in this category and so on. And I kept wondering to myself, would Roma have maybe resonated more with the Academy if it had been in theaters longer than the limited, limited, limited release that it had there before it was straight to Netflix? I wonder if maybe there's still a mentality That comes with that of those movies that are directly on Netflix but don't get a lot of theater run.
0: Possibly, but it's also a foreign language black and white movie, you know? So there's something to be said about that, you know, at least from a commercial appeal. I mean, not to say there's anything wrong with black and white movies. I mean, whether it's old or new, like Schindler's List, not that that's new, but newer compared to, say, you know,.
1: Anyway, but that commercial appeal. Yeah,
0: right? sometimes that can work against it. I don't want to read the movie. I want to. I want to see the movie. You know, and so there's something to be said about that. But uh, yeah, you, you bring up some good points, though. There is pushback. How about Dumbo? That's going to be an interesting one. You know, Disney. I, it's hard to say. And there's another one that'll be coming out this summer: The Lion King. They're kind of redoing these things, quote unquote, live action that is much more CGI than it leads to believe. They didn't train an elephant to do this. It's CGI. Um, But it's are they running out of ideas now that they're having to resurrect these classics from their vault? Uh, But in a live-action, quote-unquote, I I, I don't know.
1: I think it's a fair question,
0: yeah. I mean, nothing against a, a resurrection of Dumbo, but, I mean, the fact that they're doing two in one year, just a couple months apart... Well, it's a guaranteed moneymaker. You know that people are going to go to see it. The Lion King in particular is a much more modern classic. I I don't know. It seems like, is it inspired or is it a money grab is kind of the question that I always answer. Same with Medea's family funeral. Is it going to be good or is it a moneymaker that you know people will go and see and
1: good schmud. That's an afterthought. That's my question. Yeah. Well, it worked already with the Jungle Book. It worked. I thought. I think that was kind of a, a test try for them. And visually, that movie was pretty spectacular, and and people really ended up enjoying that. So then, I think it opened up to them and this idea of possibility when it came to going to live action. Will it work for everything? I don't think it'll work for everything. Like with Dumbo, I'm I'm really curious what kind of pool that's going to get because Dumbo is a story that people know pretty well in some cases but not as well as others like for instance The Lion King. Dumbo feels like it's just going to be an appetite wetter for what's to come well, later. Here's the wild card with Dumbo though that why we'll give it some credit. It's a Tim
0: Burton movie. You know Tim Burton I don't rule this guy out. He's a strange cat, but I mean he's got some great movies out there. You got a great cast. Colin Farrell who's kind of making a bit of a career comeback. Uh, Michael Keaton, Danny DeVito. So you've got the Batman and the Penguin resurrecting each other.
1: Yeah. Um so you got Eva a green is in it yeah, too. Yeah.
0: You got a good cast, you have a great director, and Dumbo is kind of its own a little bit out there story. So I think this would be right down uh just from the visuals and the theme. This is Tim Burton. We'll see if Tim Burton gets to like, be Tim Burton or if Disney's gonna step in and let it be more Disney. I reserve judgment on it, but I like I said, the question remains: Is this inspired with Tim Burton? And because of Tim Burton, I think it might be. But behind behind that, maybe not so much. I don't know. Reserve judgment, but it will be interesting to keep your eye on it. On to April. This is going to be an interesting month, but it's going to be um, it's going to start interesting and end big. Yes, yeah, summer is. It does en-
1: start really interesting.
0: Summer starts sooner and sooner. Now it's starting into April, but April fifth. This is an interesting kind of a comic book movie, Shazam. It's not Marvel. It's not, I'm not sure who owns Shazam, but it's an unusual comedy. It's sort of like Big meets uh, Iron Man, so to speak. You get a little kid that, you know, through happenstance becomes a superhero when he gets a super suit and he grows into a big, giant man. So he's teaming up with his best friend, who's a little kid. And he's trying out all his superpowers. And it is an early teaser trailer that came out that made me laugh out loud, and that's rare. It very well could be good, and it might have a bit of a harder edge to it, which
1: could make it interesting, too. Apparently, it's through New Line Cinema yeah. is is who's doing this. And this is kind of kind of the DC Expanded Universe, yeah. a little bit, I, I believe, is what this is. But yeah, Shazam is a really unique step into the superhero genre um with it, it feels like this is a another alternate universe kind of idea for what you can do with superhero movies much like deadpool although going a, i think a less hard edge than deadpool a hard little left. bit more a little bit more to the comedic side of things can too. there be a harder edge than dead probably not but it's going to have... It's... I shudder to think if there could
0: be. <laughs> this is going to be a, a different kind of superhero movie. Yeah. Maybe a little more in the vein of Super uh, with uh, Rain Wilson, if you know that movie, or uh, Kick-Ass, maybe slightly less than that. But it, it looks interesting. Um, it'd be one worth that I'd like to check out, perhaps. Offbeat is what comes Offbeat, to mind. Yeah. Zachary
1: Levi is going to be Shazam. So, I, I mean, you, you kind of get a sense then, just by, by seeing him in there, that... Yeah, there's going to be a little bit of a comedic slash. What am I doing? Oh, here a lot of kind comedic of, kind go,
0: of feel. Go look up the teaser trailer. It's it's funny. It's yeah. worth. It's it'll make you interested. Then you got another one that same weekend, April fifth, the remake of the Stephen King book Pet Cemetery. Now they've yes. made this a movie before, and it's a very good take on the movie. Well, now that they're kind of remaking some of these Stephen King books, like it, probably starting things off. Now they're starting to go back into the vaults. Not all. Of his works have been translated well on screen, but the original pet cemetery is one of them. It is a good, it's a bleak uh movie, very much so it's about grieving and death and loss and not being able to let go and the original came out 89, I want to say, 88, something like that. It was good. Uh, not a very well-known cast. Probably the biggest name was Fred Gwynn, who played the neighbor across the street. Well, this is a somewhat bigger cast. You have Jason Clark. You've got John Lithgow. I always love seeing John Lithgow. I haven't seen him enough lately. Um, this could be interesting, and from what I'm understanding, there's a couple of things that were in the book that weren't in the last film. that kind of left it out, That are ne- like the Wendigo is one. And why that ground of the pet cemetery went sour, um, that's going to make its way back into the movie. So, still stay tuned. I think it could be interesting. They're going to make a couple of changes, but all in all, it has potential to be good. I don't think the original Pet Cemetery movie is a sacred ground that you cannot remake. So, I don't have
1: a problem with this. Um, Could be good. I do wonder, though, if there's a fair bit of pressure that's going to be on Pet Cemetery after the way that it performed and how well it did. Can pet cemetery follow that up, and I know it 's been like a year and a half since it, but at the same time, I think there 's still that that bit of pressure of hey can can we follow up the last Stephen King adaptation that was on the big screen and be able to do as well as that one did oh, and, the, and, the big... and like you said it's it 's been hit or miss with Stephen King novels very hit or miss well
0: they don 't always translate well to the screen and there 's still another it chapter two coming out this year too, so there's, there's yep. so there will be where the pressure is. Can it live up to part one? Um, you know, Stephen, Stephen King books, they always deal about something more than what's on the surface. Um, you know, The Shining, he'd always said, was his battle against alcoholism. Even though that's not really part of the movie, if you really look into it like a metaphor – Okay, you can kind of, sort of get it. You can it. see it, yeah. So this one was about grieving and loss, and you know, it's the first one is great. It's dark, it's bleak, but that's what it's supposed to be. This one looks to be a maybe a better spit polish on the same themes. And uh, can it can it bring more than the last one did? That very well could. Stay tuned. It, it does look interesting.
1: Keep in mind, it too is coming later in the year. As well, yeah. Further on down the line, so will that have any impact on things? I don't know. We'll stay, see.
0: Stay tuned. Then you got another sort of comic book resurrection: Hellboy. Um, now, again, Ron, yeah, but it's sort of a start over in a way. You had Ron Perlman taking on the role. Now, this is a comic book series. For those of you that don't know, they've made two Hellboy movies already with Ron Perlman, who basically looks like Hellboy even without the makeup. Now you've got, uh, he's not coming back for this, you've got David Harbour, who you might know best from the Stranger Things show. Yes. Um, He, it looks pretty good. When you're in all that kind of thick makeup, it's kind of hard to tell the difference between the two of them, so uh, he looks like he's got a bit of a harder edge, I think, than Ron Perlman, from what I'm hearing. Um, Myself, personally, not a huge Hellboy fan, so... Me either. Not sure what to take on it, but if, uh, I don't know if fans are asking for it or not, but Hellboy's been popular, so... I'm not really sure what to think of it, but it'll gather some attention.
1: Those movies, yeah, they, they kind of found their place when they were when they were along and I know there were people who were really into them, but I don't know, especially when it comes to what what feels like kind of a revival slash reboot a little bit. Sort of. Can it work? Can do they still have the interest going back to the well again? That there's apparently enough for them to, to go that route, which it doesn't take much these days it feels like.
0: Then we end April with a, like I said, there's big holes in these months, April and May. But I think some of that is just kind of clearing the way for what might be the end of things
1: here, sort of, is Avengers Endgame well, coming out think April 26 you would think from the title that this might possibly, potentially, maybe... Will it be? I don't know. Well, be the final I, it, end game. Final is probably not the right word
0: to put it. I well, think yeah,
1: the end for the story.
0: Putting a, a big, cor- a big turn here. We're trying to take a big turn. A lot of the cast. I mean, by this point now, the Marvel movie has been going for ten years, building up to this from the first Iron Man and Incredible Hulk in two thousand eight and nine. So now we're ten years later. Um most of the cast are not signed up for anything after this. Now obviously some will because you've still got Spider-Man um Far from Home that's going to be coming out later this summer. So a you know Spider-Man will get resurrected and b you know that the Marvel characters are going to go forward, but they might drop some of these characters or they might just recast them. So Tony Stark and Iron Man after Avengers anyway probably going to disappear for a while and probably the same case with Chris Hemsworth as Thor and you know Scarlet is is the red uh, all of these are going to be going away for a little while black widow sorry yeah scarlet johansson's uh, yeah widow. I was thinking yep. about scarlet and the red hair and it got me confused for some reason I was thinking red sonya I was like no that's not it anyway um there will be a big change here coming um will fans embrace this because they want to see it or because they've been so invested well, I guess I might as well see the last one and see how it all ends and did it it'll be interesting the reception because there was such pushback. Now, it didn't blow up in the face of everything cuz Ant-Man and the Wasp came out a couple months after The Last Avengers movie and it did okay. It didn't do as well as the first one. It you know, it was it was there was a drop, but it wasn't a bomb or anything concerning. It's been somewhat quiet, so I think the lead into Captain Marvel, which is coming out here fairly soon, could be a sneak peek as to what we're going to see for the Avengers. But this one, A, it needs to deliver. It just does. B, we know this is going to be the, not the end, but I think as far as for the the story. For a lot of characters. For a lot of characters, it will be. Um, and I think that's a good thing. You have to have to Every story has to have a beginning, a middle, and an end. And it has to. We're finally starting to see Star Wars come around to an end as far as the Skywalker saga goes. We need to see this for... Um, Tony Stark and the Black Widow and Hawkeye and Thor and all these guys because they're not coming back, I don't think.
1: The big question is, maybe not even necessarily whose end it will be in this movie or how their end will come, but what are they going to try to do? What is Marvel going to try to do to pave the way to the post-Avengers Endgame universe? What is their plan for this this phase that will go beyond whatever phase they are currently in, which which it truly is going to be an ending for for several characters, for several personalities. Are they going to choose to kill them off? Are they going to give them fond farewells of, we've done our part for the universe, now it's it's time to go off and enjoy a break, and then maybe leave room for somebody else to pick up their particular cape or shield or or hammer, or whatever, and and move forward? Or um, are they going to... And then for the other characters, how are they going to try to position the other characters to sort of take up the mantle when it comes to the Marvel Universe? Because they're not just going to shut it down and say, that's the end of the story. They're going to try to find a way to keep this story going beyond some of these characters. How are they going to try to position that world while at the same time making this an ending to a story i think it's unsustainable quite honestly even if you look at the com- i would agree with that
0: even if you look at the comic books how many times has i mean pick a comic batman how many times has batman been started and restarted again, and then restarted again. You have storylines that go to a point. That they're like, okay, but I don't like where this would have to go after this. So we're going to start over again. And so it's been resurrected and rehashed again. Even on film, you've got stick with Batman. You got the Dark Knight trilogy. Okay, well now at the very end, you've got the possibility. Oh, he he might be Robin. Oh, okay, he might take over after Batman. Well, the next time Batman showed up on screen, it had nothing to do with the Dark Knight trilogy. It's self-contained, but the character continues. Uh, with or without Robin or any of the other characters. Joker's doing his own thing in suicide squad and and now a new Joker movie. It's his own thing. The characters are gonna are immortal. They're gonna live forever. But by the time that whatever's going on now, whatever we're gonna call this, When it comes to its end, and it will end at some point, they're never going to go away forever. There will be another Iron Man movie, but will that be 10 years, 20 years? It's not going to be Robert Downey Jr. Will it be part of some ginormous Marvel cinematic universe like they're doing now? Or is that going to run its course and the numbers are going to drop and they're just going to tie it off loosely and the character will come back, but it'll be something completely different, maybe a whole new origin story. Who knows? But to continue this forever, it's unsustainable. It just Right now they've got... Kevin Feig, who's got his hand on the rudder, he's not going to forever. They will let this go, and then right. whomever is going to come in next
1: is going to have his own take on things. And That was a really interesting thing that you brought up, Dave, when it comes to, right now, he exists with, like, for instance, Iron Man. He exists within the Marvel Cinematic yeah. Universe, like you said. What happens beyond that, though? What happens when it comes to post that for, for Iron Man? Like, do they create him within a new a new complex and a new storyline because the the Marvel Cinematic Universe is this wide-ranging ever expanding storyline that is all woven together do they leave room for the character to possibly return but just with a different a different actor or do they look to create something totally different and like launch a one off kind of thing i don't know it's it's hard to say if you're gonna do it right you have to be true to what the
0: character is so if you're talking about superman how many different actors have played superman big screen small screen james bond if you want to call him a superhero character you know the thing that keeps the bond franchise in line is that the broccoli family producers have had control of it from day one so they kind of know what it's supposed to be and it's his own thing but you know each batman incarnation looks very very different whether it's you know the Adam West version or when Tim Burton was doing them and then Joel Schumacher then Nolan and now you've got it's the each incarnation is different the way batman is portrayed is different um and that's not going to be any different to any immortal character so to speak that keeps coming back whether it's you know horror movies Freddy Krueger he's going to be similar but different um, yeah. Iron Man, the next time he comes back, these are characters that you know the characters, and that's really the most important thing. Everything that's around the characters, that's going to depend on whoever's got their hand on the wheel when it comes back around, but this is going to be a big turning point, and what's going to happen with Phase 4, Spider-Man uh, Far From Home will be the first movie of that. I have lost track of the phases. Yeah, and that this, for me, this is, seems a good place for me to get off, you know, um, get off the train, uh, I'm not saying I'm not going to go see the new Spider Man movie. I might, but I haven't seen Homecoming yet. You know, I just, I wasn't fully pushed. I wasn't pushed enough to go see Black Panther. I was like, okay, we'll see these couple movies and they lead into the Avengers. Okay, cool. Oh, there's more. Okay. Oh, okay. The weight of it all is yeah. just, you know, and maybe it's because I'm not a kid anymore, you know, and some kids are, and I'm not. Looking down on those that are, I got a wife, I got a kid, and a house, and a mortgage, and a job, and I got things to do, and I can't always go to the movies when there's 12 Marvel movies coming out this year alone. You know, at some point, I got to do other things. So maybe... Am I too old? Have I just gone way too deep for this podcast?
1: Whoa. Oh, You're still a kid at heart, Dave. Just keep that in mind. You're still a kid at heart, okay? That doesn't go away. I can't right? have a hard time choosing which beverage I'm going to have in the morning, let alone how many movies for Marvel. Speaking of movies, let's let's dabble into May now and, right. and move ourselves on from Marvel and talking about
0: it. This one seems interesting. I, I'm a fan of Seth Rogen, and he's got a new one coming out called oh, yeah. Long Shot with uh, Charlize Theron. Um, where they were friends when they were younger. I think she was his babysitter and now she's like an unattainable woman and he's gonna take a make a play at her, you know. And
1: yeah, isn't she running for president in the so, movie? Something. I, I
0: haven't seen a trailer or anything like that. I just know a tiny little bit about it, but you know, I it sounds interesting, could be interesting, it could be a bad movie, but it's one worth keeping your eye on. Comes out first week in May, May 2nd. Long shot.
1: Yeah, I had seen I think I saw a preview like around the Super Bowl or something for it, and I was like, Ah, uh, I don't know. This looks like it could either bomb, yeah. like the concept of it could totally bomb, or maybe it will in some weird way resonate with people too. So it's always really hard to to say with with some of these movies, and and I haven't seen a full trailer on it to get a sense of. Is this just filler, or are they actually maybe going to have something here?
0: Yeah, not not making any guarantees, just saying it might be worth keeping your eye on. something. I mean, sometimes you need a laugh. You know what? After half the Avengers cast dies, maybe you need uh, uh, something to giggle about the following weekend. So who knows? Um, then you get another one a lot of people looking forward to, John Wick 3. Keanu Reeves is back May 17th. Those
1: are movies that I have wanted to get a chance to check out but I still haven't I've had friends who have told me you've got to see this you've got to try it out Joel and and check this out because they they have had their own particular way of doing things and people have been in in, have enjoyed the John Wick style a little bit and now so much so that there's a third part to it yeah I I got Halle Berry's going to be in this one. yeah
0: I got turned on to this by a friend. Uh, he said, well, you got to go see John Wick 2. And I hadn't seen John Wick 1. I was like, oh, okay. So your turn to pick, fine. So we went and saw it. It was really good. You know, one thing about Keanu Reeves, say what you want about him. He always finds that He's like a bad penny. He keeps turning up. But he's talented. He's <laughs> And I'm not, that's not a knock. He's talented, this guy. He really is. He's, you know, it's funny. You can't say he's going to, well, he's not Shakespeare. Well, he's done Shakespeare, actually. So <laughs> you can't say that. <laughs> So whether you're talking about watching him in the very beginnings, Bill and Ted, watching him evolve, oh go watch the uh the Bogus. the Ron the Ron Howard movie Parenthood. He's totally, you know, stoner, you know. But that's you always think that's who he is. And then he surprises you with things like The Matrix and then John Wick. This guy takes his training really seriously, so when he does that, He's really good at what he does from a tactical standpoint, so it's believable, and you're thinking he might actually be able to do this. Maybe like if Keanu Reeves was in a mall and somebody pulled out a gun, he might just be able to defend the mall. Yeah, he's he's that good, and they're pretty good. They're dark, but they're good. So he's keeping the comeback. So speaking of comeback, then you have a big jump ahead to April 24th, Aladdin. Somebody or May 24th, May 24th. Yes, yeah. <laughs> thank you. Somebody who you can almost use the word comeback. Uh Will Smith was Mr. Summer Blockbuster for such a long time. Yeah. Now he's he's kind of disappeared for a while. He's coming back, but now he's in Blueface as he's is t- a live action version of the Genie in Aladdin and the first teaser came out showing him in the Blueface and it's not been kind. So he's getting some pushback on this. You know, it's, uh, the 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 criticism I'm hearing is that A it doesn't really look very good. B while he's kind of funny, he's funny as a ladies' man. That's, you know, oh, come on, you know, he, he can crack a joke. But Robin Williams, who had voiced the genie in the, you know, the, the cartoon versions of Aladdin, he is genuinely funny. You know, you can watch him do something on stage with inside the actor studio. Somebody gave him a scarf, and he went for 30 minutes on a scarf, and it was side-splitting. No offense to
1: Will Smith, I don't see him doing that. Well, yeah, it, it's He's charming. Tough. It is tough when you are stepping into a role, and and again, going back to the whole live action thing. We we had talked about Dumbo, and now we're getting into this is this That's is right. really Three going to be in one year, right? And some of them are CGI based, like Dumbo is going to have a bit of that, a lot of that in Lion King. Probably going to have a lot of that with this one, too. Yes, yeah, so I, we have Aladdin in there, too. So what is this going to do for the Lion King this summer? Who knows? They're, they're coming out so quickly here. But with this one, it is tough when you are stepping into a role that was made iconic by somebody who is a legend. And in this case, sadly, is a legend who has passed on. And with the voice that Robin Williams provided to Jeannie, it's, it's something that you just know growing up. And so that is going to make it challenging for Will Smith in in some respects because of the history that, that comes with the genie character, with, with what was done with Robin Williams. But I at least want to give it a chance. I like Will Smith a lot. I and, do too. And I, and I love what he does in terms of his acting and just his, his general appeal. Yeah, he's had, he's had a ton of general appeal. You're not going to, in this case, you are not going to get Robin Williams, sadly. But I want to see what he can do with taking the role on. And obviously there there's a lot of, you know, there, there is the the historical precedent that's been set here. But I want to see what he can do with it in terms of taking it on in this this new, different kind of context that we have now that the Aladdin story will be coming with.
0: I don't have a problem with recasting the role in this case. I, I just don't. Uh, I've got all the faith in Will Smith in the world. Uh, maybe it's just that the makeup test looked a little weird. Well, The Dark Knight Rises' Bane sounded a little weird, and they kind of tweaked it a little bit and made it a little better. But, you know, is there something visually that can be done? Or once it's blue, it's just you. I don't know. I made once that up it's on the spot. blue,
1: it's just I you. I made that
0: up on the spot. I didn't have time to think about that. I was under pressure. so I liked it. That was pretty good. I, I don't know what to think about this movie. I... I kind of missed the Aladdin train the first time. I wasn't a kid at the time, so I wasn't going to see a lot of cartoons at the time. So whether I go see this or not, I might. And I'm not... You, know, That's the bonus for me is that I don't have the Robin Williams thing that it has to live up to. But then again... Um, Sean Connery isn't always going to be James Bond, you know. Characters are going to get recast. Michael Keaton is no longer ba- Oh wait, no. Christian Bale is no longer but ba- Oh no wait, Ben Affleck is now no longer but ba- you're going to have yes. changes and I don't care about that honestly. If you're talking about from part 1 to part 2,
1: everyone's back except this one person, eh, then I do. One thing still remains the same though, Dave. 10,000 years can give you such a crick in the neck. <laughs> That will still remain the same. Uh, Stay tuned. Although I hope they give that, that line and still use that line.
0: They might. They might do their own thing. I Maybe so. It could be interesting. So the kids will probably love it because they're not going to know any different.
1: End of the month then? A couple more that are couple in A couple
0: more. couple more. You've got uh, Ed Astra, which is sort of a sci-fi thriller. Got a really good cast. You have uh, Brad Pitt. You have Tommy Lee Jones. Um, it kind of sounds like The Martian, but not. It's about an astronaut whose father... 20 years earlier went off on a manned mission to Neptune, and, well, what happened? So he goes out in search of him afterward. Um, Stay tuned on the rest, but, I mean, it's got a great cast. It's got a lot of good folks behind the scenes that usually get attracted to projects that are worth their weight. And the fact that it's coming out end of May, where you get a lot of competition, there's – we're talking about something that could be interesting that might come out of left field and, well, maybe not left field to you, but we haven't heard much about it yet. Yeah. So stay tuned. Well, uh, really could be something.
1: Well, that's the same weekend as Aladdin. Yeah. And then the following weekend, there are two really big ones that are coming out. Yeah. Godzilla is back again in King of the Monsters, and apparently this time the monster is on our side?
0: Something like that. Yeah. They're, they're building up to a Godzilla versus King Kong again. Yes. So that's coming. Um, but they did The Resurrection of Godzilla a couple of years ago, uh, and it was very, very good. It was didn't deliver everything people wanted, but at the same time, it delivered a lot of what people wanted. It was certainly far better than the Matthew Broderick version in the late 90s. Um, <laughs> it got a lot of people talking, and it got people excited, and there's a lot of hype for this one. Uh, and that's coming out, I think that's Memorial Weekend, isn't it? The last 31st of yes, May? Yes, that's correct. So that's going to be a big one. And then you got the other one. We got the Elton John biopic, following in the footsteps. Rocket
1: Man. Yeah,
0: Rocket Man. This one, you and I were talking off air. I'm a big Elton John fan. You know, It's, it's interesting to note he's on his final world tour ever, allegedly, and I believe it. Uh, three years long. He's one year in. He just made his final swing through uh, the Twin Cities this past week, so I've seen him twice in concert. He's a great performer. Um, so, Bohemian Rhapsody. There's going to be comparisons here coming roughly six months after one another the grief,
1: I barely recognize
0: Taryn Edgerton. Oh, yeah. He does all the singing in this movie. He does not lip sync. It's him. Wow. Yeah, it's him singing it, and he's got some of his singing in the trailer, and he sounds pretty good to the point where I might want to buy the album because I know the songs, but I don't know the voice, but it kind of sounds familiar. He does a good job. So one of the big uh, criticisms lobbied at Bohemian Rhapsody was that there's a lot of parts with Freddie Mercury in particular which were just kind of left out. It was a feel-good movie when there's a lot of things that are as tied into the history of Queen as everything that was good. And that's a big chapter left out because everything for Queen took a big turn after Live Aid, and that's where the movie ends. Elton John, particularly early in his career, this guy's lucky he's not you know dead 40 years ago because he lived hard. I mean really hard. He was part of that class where there's most of them are gone, including Freddie Mercury, because of the lifestyle that they led, and they're just gone. Elton John realizes how lucky he was and started the Elton John AIDS Foundation, and not to mention all the drugs and everything else. None of that is going to be varnished over here. And interestingly enough, Elton John's real-life husband is a producer on this movie. So while it's being handled with, you know, I wouldn't say kid gloves, it will be handled with warts and all. Well, isn't the tagline interesting? Based on a true fantasy, his life. If you go and read the story of his life, just go read the biography. It almost is like, no, yes, it's true. It's just he is. There's a reason he's a legend, and it's not just really good songs. Um, he did a documentary came out in the early '90s called Tantrums and Tiaras. It showed him at his best, and it showed him at his worst. And he didn't care. He said, "Show it, warts and all." And this seems to be a much larger version of that, more of a life story. Um, and Taryn Edgerton, you know, will the Academy still show love to something like this where you just had Freddie Mercury showing all this love? It's kind of a similar but kind of a different thing. What will be the
1: response? Plus, you were asking the question of how will audiences treat this too, just coming off of having. You just saw the Bohemian Queen Rhapsody. Yeah, yeah, you just had Bohemian Rhapsody. I think there's been enough time in between the two that people are going to be looking for another biopic piece like this and that they. You know, given how they saw Bohemian Rhapsody, I think there will be a lot of people who will go, oh, we've got an Elton John one that's coming out now. And it's been, I think, it'll be long enough by then, end of May, that I think there's going to be some real interest in checking it out. Of course, it depends on how good the movie is, too, and how much will that add to it as well, because Bohemian Rhapsody, it did get a... I was surprised at the amount of Oscar love that it got, because... The, the reviews that I read were, were somewhat mixed, plus it was a little bit feel-good, but it still hit home in terms of visual and in terms of audio in, in particular, even if story was maybe lacking in some respects.
0: I think Queen's biggest legacy, at least right now, is going to be two things. One, people that were around when Queen was around the first time, and I'm not talking the Adam Lambert-led Queen now, that you're not in Queen, Adam. I'm sorry, you're not. No. Queen ended when Freddie Mercury died end of debate, you know, however they want to describe it. Um, people that were around for the first go-round of Queen, um, it, was, it was a love letter to them. The other part was that people who were not around for the time of Queen, they got introduced to Queen in a pretty cool way, and it was a feel-good story, and it wasn't about the underbelly and the dark stuff. So that was what Queen was. Elton John has never really gone away. He's not as relevant in current pop music now as he was, but he has had an immense career that goes back to the 60s and he is still going and that is almost unheard of maybe the rolling stones you know that he's on that level and so this guy has led an exceptionally colorful life and is seemingly almost bulletproof but i mean he almost did die a couple times um he's got extremely interesting story you know um this is going to be interesting. It will not be a feel-good movie. It's going to be one the kids are not. You're not going to, okay, kids, I want you to meet my favorite singer. Let's go see his movie. No, you won't, unless yeah, they're in high school, maybe. Yeah, I know. This will be a hard R, I'll bet you. It's not rated yet, but it will be. Um, but it's going to be a show. It's going to be the good, the bad, the ugly, and everything in between. It will be Elton John. Yeah. Um, So the adults that go see it, that may have missed Elton the first time, particularly early Elton, might want to go check them out.
1: Yeah, I will be there. I'm a huge Elton John fan. I will see it. We are stopping up in terms of talking about upcoming movies at the end of May, but coming up in a few months, we'll talk about the summer movies, including Is Toy Story Finally Going a Bridge Too Far? Quentin Tarantino returns again, and the early pictures are really interesting. From Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, The Lion King hits the screen. We've already talked quite a bit about that. Spider Man is back. How does he get back? I don't know. We'll find that out. And we mentioned that in Avengers. And is Fast and the Furious finally going off the road? They actually kind of are, but are they going to actually go off the rails too? Will they hit in the a tree. process? Yeah, I kind of wonder when I look at the Hobbs and Shaw stuff. It's like, seriously, this is what we've come to. Remember when they actually raced cars? Remember when they raced cars? Like before they got into the whole we're super spies thing.
0: You know they've they oh, found a fo- they found a formula that works. I'm not going to knock it, but is it inspired by the, making that change in the Fast and the Furious? Yeah, it was kind of inspired, and it worked. If it's the difference between good or bad, have they gone too far? Is it a money grab? Pirates of the Caribbean, I'm looking directly at you. Or is it something that are actually inspired and people are talking about it? When Deadpool 3 comes around, and it will come around, we're Disney Schmizny, they're going to do it. It's inspired, hopefully. Um, yeah, that's the difference. So, Hobbs and Shaw, is it inspired or is it a money grab? Stay tuned. Uh,
1: yeah, stay tuned. Anyway, that's our preview of the spring ahead. There's some intriguing ones that are in there uh, for this coming spring. But, um, yeah, we'll be talking all about it as we go throughout the course of the spring and, of course, talking about other topics, too.
0: This is you know, it was a fun 2018. The Oscars finally wrapping it up, so that kind of puts a bow on 2018. We're moving into 2019, and it should be an interesting launching point, and I'm sure we'll have lots more to talk about, comic books and then some. As we go deeper.
1: And movies to loan to each other, too. Yeah, I want to see the old man with the gun. This has been Rick and Nick TalkFlix, sponsored by the Bemidji Theater, located on Highway 2, just across from the airport here in Bemidji. I'm Joel Hoover. I'm Dave. And we will see you at the movies.